Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. I am Mike Casazza, welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, have you bought your Ren Baker t-shirt yet? <laughs> no, but uh, I am looking forward to one of those gift baskets that he got. If they got a few extra of those laying around. I got to look at it. Um, you're okay. Okay. All right. That's fine then. Yeah. Nothing, nothing wrong with it. Um, <laughs> anecdotally, I heard a cool thing though. Um, Baker okay. and, and his wife have two kids and somebody from the athletic department went around and was trying to find like a welcome gift and found like a local artisan who puts together these kits on like helping kids learn and appreciate Morgantown. Mm. And, thought that was a really cool idea and hey um here's like a i don't know scavenger hunt things like that i don't think that was in the kit though but like the two little girls are gonna have a good time getting to know morgan time because dad's gonna be pretty busy it sounds like um impressive i don't know those intro- introductory press conferences are tough but impressions we can talk about uh, I don't want to say he wasn't impressive. I just think that's a whole lot going on at once for a guy who's probably never been quite in a situation like that before. But a whole lot to unpeel and unpack from his 40 or so minutes behind the mic on Monday afternoon. What did you think? Um, I think he said all the right things. I did feel it was a little scripted. I mean, I know he was literally reading off a script to start things off, which, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think he said he knew what he was supposed to say, and he said it. And as 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 people who probably watched it realized, like this was more of a ceremonial thing than really like some kind of hard hitting, you know, push for answers and and his thoughts on things. Um, he again, he just arrived. I think it was Sunday afternoon, and then had to do an interview or this press conference Monday morning. So he's not really going to be able to answer questions about specifics on things like going on with other sports. You know, I know he's asked about softball and track and field and and different things. So it's kind of hard for him to answer those questions right now. But it it was what it was, I think, is just the only way I can really put it, because I didn't take too much from it. There are a couple comments that I'm sure we'll discuss from both him and Gordon Gee um, that we can get into more in, in depth. But for the most part, it was but it was a ceremonial introduction. Before I forget, the company that has the experiential travel kits, whatever I mentioned, Curated Wonder. Probably a good Christmas gift, I would think, this time of year. I get nothing from this plug, by the way. But I mentioned it. I want to not leave the story incomplete. We, yeah, we got we to make sure, what, 10% cut for ear sports here? Yeah. Let's go. I got to figure out who the owner is first. And then tell that person what I've done and then have that person agree <laughs> retroactively. Good business plan by Mike. I did not get an MBA, by the way. Integrated marketing, though, probably should be a little bit better than that. Hmm. Anyways, let's go to the thing I think I know. Sports. Rem Baker. Eh, Gorgon Gee. Um, the setting for this was very expected, very unusual, though, too. It's in the football team room because it's big. It's got comfortable seats. It's got a staged area, so that makes sense. People know where it is. However, in the room, all the coaches, including Bob Huggins and Neil Brown, who are people you kind of want to ask questions about, like, what are you going to do with these guys? 
it did come up. Uh, Huggins didn't catch a stray. He's doing his own thing right now. Basketball team's fine. The future with him is way off in the future. And I think if you listen to Baker, he is a prioritized guy. And I can get into some of the, the, the reasons why I get that. And I think that's why he is the way he is. But I don't think he's worried about Bob Huggins' contract right now. And certainly the front burner would be Neil Brown, too. Chris, he says he's going to make sure that Brown has all the resources he needs to to win. And that part of the assessment is not necessarily assessing Brown as a coach, wins and losses, recruiting philosophy, management, so on and so forth. But, hey, does he have the sharpest knife? Does he have the most durable bullets? Does he have this and that that he needs to succeed? Kind of press on that a little bit. We never really got that. It's a great answer that doesn't, I don't want to say it's hollow, but it doesn't really deliver everything there too. You talk around to people who are recruited, who recruit, and you watch this program, same as I have for many years now too. If those two do sit down and have a conversation and end, Baker says, hey, what are the hurdles I can remove? What are the resources I can go out and procure? Which again, that's the 80s job, no matter what you've heard lately on the radio. What hurdles does he remove? What resources does he procure? Well, I think he's taking his his fundraising history and trying to make it translate to the NIL fundraising as best he can without breaking the rules. That is and number one, right? That is number one. And it was he was asked about his role with this and his role with NIL and how he can help Neil Brown. And within the span of about 30 seconds, he, he used the phrase, procuring resources and providing resources both of those i mean basically the same thing twice i mean well kind of the same thing procuring being you know getting it and then providing it giving it to neil brown and the football team um that was important again it's one of those things where you maybe we're reading too much into it but there's that comment and those comments together back to back and the first things he mentioned when talking about nil that caught my attention because i think as this portal, this is also the, the timing of this hire and what's going on with what WV football is coinciding with the timing of the opening of the transfer portal and just mass chaos. As Ren Baker is being introduced on Monday, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of recruits from around the country are entering the transfer portal all at the same time. And I'm sitting here talking to staffers from, I'm talking to people from all over the country, including in Morgantown. I'm talking to a group of five people. I'm talking to other Power Five people. And the dollar amounts being thrown around just to access, like, an, I don't want to say average starter, but like, you know, a, a slightly above average starter, uh, you know, hey, I want to get a, um, a decent cornerback in this cycle. All right, we're starting at 500 grand, 600 grand for a corner and going up from there. And it's just the numbers are mind blowing. So to hear him, you know, say these comments at the same exact time. It was good. It was like the opposite of, you know, someone being unaware of their surroundings. He was very, he's very aware. He seems to be very aware of what's going on and what it's going to take to be competitive with the way college football is right now. Chris, do you know the NFL minimum salary? Uh, isn't it less than what I just said or close to it? It's pretty close. Yeah. Like, you, I think I want to say it's 660. Yeah, it goes up like 50, 60 grand each year. But yeah, I think it's it's somewhere like that, where I think the rookie contracts are like four years for like 300,000 and goes, you know, 
that first year of a rookie deal is like five or six hundred thousand. I just tell you that last year when they were talking to quarterbacks, they were talking to people who their feedback was this starts at seven figures. And they're like, nah. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> um, and granted, that, that's to get in the room with some people that they were not going to get. But I think they wanted to kick the tires and see what these conversations were going to be like. And here you go. And yeah, so can you go out and get him a, an HD this, an LED that? He talked about subscription levels, Chris, to the transfer portal. I did not know that. Uh, I think there are certain people, as there are with scouting, um, and, and this was something very early on. Like when I first started with this, when 24-7 sports was just getting started, there was a staffer at WVU that reached out to me and asked, are you like Rivals? Again, that was the company, you know, Shannon, who started 24-7 sports and started Rivals. Is, is Shannon pulling another Rivals? Is that what this is? Or are you a subscription scouting service? There is a difference, and it is a difference between who they can talk to and what, they, what happens, because there are scouting services who will literally go around and scout players and send reports to colleges for them to evaluate, and you pay a subscription for that, a, a much higher price than what you would pay to come to 24-7 sports. But those guys are going around and giving detailed timing guys, uh, weighing them in, all this stuff, trying to get what fits in for you. It used to be a big thing. I don't think it's as big anymore. I think maybe there's like one or two companies that that colleges use still. But I imagine just like a, as they flourished for high school recruiting, they're coming back around and saying, hey, we also do this for transfer guys. And we can get you in touch with transfer guys and tell you about transfer guys. Now, me personally, you have a department for that. Yeah. You already have guys. You have the film. You don't need somebody to go around and look at transfers for you. Like those guys are on film. It's out there. Co coaches trade film all the time. So I don't know what you need that scouting service for, for transfers, but I mean, if you, Hey, if you have unlimited funds, Mike, I guess you just go around and spend it on whatever you want. Some of that going around here, right? Yeah. So I wonder if, if it's a, again, HD, this led that do they get the top subscription, the platinum level subscription of the transfer portal? I want to steer out the road for a second here. How do the NCAA allow people to crash the party monetize subscriptions to the transfer portal that's i don't know symptom or problem but it's it's got the sniffles and it shouldn't that, that's that shouldn't be that way i would think unless the ncaa is making the money but anyways i just don't know what he can actually give to football that that helps unless it's support time i don't know maybe he gets some like really cool rental cars for when they fly to charlotte to go meet a quarterback or something like that i don't know but like it was a great answer that I, I really wondered, okay, what do they need? And that's probably a question maybe for Brown or for their director of operations or somebody about, hey, if you're fully armed and you have the resources that have been procured and provided and the hurdles are out of the way, what does it look like? What do you hold in your hands? Because, again, part of the appeal, I think, for for Baker and for other candidates for this job, they don't need a facilities overhaul. They have nice stuff across sports, too. Is there some stuff that has to be upgraded or improved or even built? Yeah, maybe, yeah. But the major, major items on the facility list have been taken care of in recent memory. So he doesn't have to do it, do that, which is cool now because he can focus, roll up his sleeves and figure out, OK, the small stuff, the hurdles, the procurement, the, prov the providing, what can he do there? I just wonder if there's a thing, unless it's as much as just like a ways and a means here, like more spending, um, uh, a redder carpet, so to speak, when you have visits. I, I don't know. I would imagine that the on-campus stuff they're going to throw a lot into as opposed to 
you know, do they need to have a, a nice jet so they can get somewhere faster? I don't think that stuff really, really matters so much, but maybe like when they do have people here, can they blow their doors off them and do something that's going to be arresting and make them wonder, why would I leave here? I really like it here right now. I'm having a great time. I will be here in the portal, but also by the way, yeah, I mean, he's going to, he's definitely going to jump into the, the NIL and the country roads trust. Let's get into that, Chris. Um, uh, a lot of questions about what an athletic director is supposed to do and and can and cannot do. And he was very clear. There is nothing wrong with promoting your NIL collective. That's not a Title IX issue. It's not illegal to promote and to raise money in a Title IX sense. Spending money is where things get a little bit crooked. That was never my understanding that Country Roads Trust was saying, hey, spend more money on these sports. No, it was, can you just promote Country Roads Trust? You have access to all these donors and fans and season ticket holders and all that. Could you please promote us a little bit and then we can help you? One of the first things he says was that I believe an athletic director should be promoting his NIL collective and supporting it. Not a coincidence, huh? Absolutely not. And there are... Restrictions, as you noted, not on the fundraising part, but the spending part. And I think that's where I don't want to say it gets complicated, but you just have to raise like you just have to raise and raise and raise and raise and raise and raise and raise money because he can raise a hundred million dollars or help help the country rich trust raise a hundred million dollars. But he cannot say, okay, take that hundred million dollars and spend it on football players. Right. Can't like it. it has to be spent at the discretion of the trust and at the discretion of the sponsors and the people who are donating it, donating it in there. Um, so that that's that's the difference here. He, he just has to try to raise as much money as possible and you kind of just hope that everyone else does the rest to make sure it gets funneled to the right people. Um, I'm, I'm certain they will, but his focus has to be on just raising as much money as possible for the trust as a whole and not worrying about the football part. Cause that has to be someone else. I asked him about his master plan and building a baseball stadium, which was curious to me because North Texas does not have baseball. I was wondering like, why would you do that? And obviously, yeah, he talked to people who were down there, alumni people in the area probably high school coaches too hey you could have a great thing here you're in north texas which is denton kind of like metroplex area Forty-four thousand students you could have a great place and he quickly went from you're right to we will to we're gonna have an awesome stadium too and that's cool but it never really went anywhere and again he's only there for what six years so it's hard to say it never went anywhere but i thought it's interesting i thought it was interesting the way he answered my question about hey why would you plan for baseball in a park you don't have baseball and he kind of spun around to me and he said, yeah, we did talk about it. Could have worked. However, you want to make sure that you have the right people, the right resources, and the right priorities. And it didn't make sense to chase this dream of baseball when who and what he had on hand were not doing as well as they could have. Things were not as easy as an athletic director, as an athletic director could make them for the coaches and players. So that's what he worked on was, yeah, baseball be cool. Let's worry about that later. Let's improve facilities for what we do have here instead of building a new facility for a sport that doesn't exist. Instead of creating a new sport, let's double down the sports we have. And if you look at the amount of championships and division championships and conference championships that they've had there, that seemed to work too. Um, We put a lot of focus on football and basketball, Chris, but I would think if you're a volleyball coach or a wrestling coach or a baseball coach even, 
maybe even high school softball player, Chris. You probably are pretty inspired by what you heard yesterday, the fact that he's going to see the big picture, but he's going to see, you know, every corner and every frame of that picture, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that that we've picked up on from his time at North Texas and reading about him and talking to people about him is that he he takes it all in with all the sports like he doesn't seem solely focused on football. Again, I don't there's going to be people here that are, are football only and they're going to hear that and get upset. But I'm saying he, he seems to be a well-rounded uh, athletic director that is going to take it all in. I, I believe, you know, there was talk of him always, was it always showing up to women's basketball games, to softball games, to all the different sports and making sure he is seen at everything. Cause, and I think that's important. And even if you want to take a cynical football focused look at this, um, just a reminder that people who play, um, you know, soccer or baseball or one of the other, you know, non-revenue sports, maybe the fans and the alumni that watch those and enjoy those, they also have money. They have money. Yeah. So um, you can, you know, get fundraising money from that as well. Like if you really want to take a cynical football only view here, um, but it's good. I think it's good to have somebody that is is well rounded and in, in folk not solely focused on one sport, but understands that there's more than one around the department to to uh, show uh, show himself around. Yeah, and when the AD is in the house on a visit for football or even basketball, it's impressive. It's not expected when it's a baseball visit, a soccer visit, a wrestling visit, a volleyball visit. I got a feeling he's going to be available for some of those things. Remember how wild everybody went when Gordon Gee was doing visits for football. Yeah, it, when you when you just have something extra, something different, if an athletic director can come out of the ivory tower to hang out at the women's soccer facility during your recruiting visit, that stuff adds up too. So, um, I think he's going to be involved in a lot of that stuff, especially early on. It's going to be kind of birdshot, and he'll he'll figure out what he can hit and what he has to hit. And I think it's I think he's going to be like guns blazing to start here, just because I think he wants to make the initial impression. So, as we wrap up initial impressions, Chris, anything stand out to you? We have not covered yet as far as. His uh, his handshake, his 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 embrace on Monday afternoon. Uh, are are we uh going to discuss the person that sat next to him for a good portion of the event and the comments he made? Do we do this? Let's do it. I think right. I think it's time. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Uh, I'll, I'll let you lead it in. Well... I mean, a lot of people have seen or read this already, too. People like to be upset about something, and people like to turn molehills into mountains. I don't know. My my initial response sometimes is just like, take a step back, count to 10, figure it out. But I'll be honest, I missed this in the moment. I just did, and I can explain in a second. But comments from the president, Gordon Gee, he was asked about, hey, first time we've talked to you, first time we've talked to you since – the decision was made to bring Neil Brown back. Neil Brown, by the way, is in the room, right? Mm-hmm. And President Gee goes on a number of things that I think people will question. Playing the strongest schedule in the country? 
Evidently, there is a ranking that supports that. Okay. Also says that he was, you know, they, they played the two power fives to start. That's rare. Um, all things considered, Chris, pretty proud to be five and seven. Uh, yeah, the, the exact quote for those listening. Um, the fact that we went five and seven in a very competitive environment is obviously something that I take a lot of pride in. I think that given everything, we played rather well. It's tough because it, he, he had a couple points in there about the, the tough schedule and about like, you know, hey, he talked to other coaches to because uh, he is somebody that knows people like when he said when he wants opinions educated opinions on coaches on athletic directors he is a guy that is connected enough to talk to the right people to get legitimate thoughts on these people and he said you know hey i talked to a lot of coaches and other people and almost every single one believed that neil brown was a good coach and just needed more support and needed uh, more structure and he would be successful say that and yeah. stop there yeah. don't say the words i'm very proud of five and seven because then that, you know, we keep talking about, hey, what is the goal? What is set a hard goal? And I'm not saying he set the hard goal of five and seven, but when you say publicly, I'm very proud. I take a lot of pride in five and seven. That's that's not the message you want to send. Couldn't agree with you more. That, that guy's resume, that should stand up. And his Rolodex should support everything he says. And he did make a good point. I think when a lot of people want to hear an answer to why would you keep your football coach, he would say, listen, we talked to a lot of people around the country, as you just say, Chris. But moreover, he also doubled up on this, too. All the athletic director candidates that we considered were enthusiastic about getting to work at Brown and making it work for him. And I think we forget this sometimes, too. Athletic directors, the very best ones, they're fixers. They're problem solvers. And. I mean, I mentioned this about Brown, too. Like, sometimes you hire a guy to see if he can get out of the ditch. Maybe Brown hasn't gotten out of the ditch. Maybe you hire Rem Baker to see if he can help Brown out of the ditch. Is he the tow truck down? Is he AAA? Yeah. Essentially, that's what he is. So maybe a distinguishing part of the interview process was his plan to help Brown out. And that was impressive because maybe Gee was talked into, hey, we really like Neil Brown. He's done nothing wrong off the field. Infrastructure, recruiting, culture, et cetera, et cetera. Great. Eh, the product on the field hasn't been great. But this guy we're bringing in from North Texas, all the stuff about moving the hurdles and procuring and providing, boy, what a combination this could be. And I think you could make a really eloquent and strong point about that, as you just did, Chris, and just cut it there. When you bring rankings guru into the house, <laughs> you got to vet rankings guru, because that's evidently yes. where this comes from. Excuse me, power rankings guru. And if you go to their page, there's a cartoon illustration of like a monk who I guess is a guru talking about this. But sure enough, West Virginia has the number one schedule rank as accumulated by an average of the guru opponent rank. So it's kind of subjective if you if you subscribe to the guru. I mean, maybe they have a, a platinum guru subscription. I don't know. This is where they get their info from. But yeah, the ranking does exist. It just... That's one thing that I guess the number maybe people aren't going to agree with. Like, wait a minute, that wasn't a great schedule, was it? Tech was kind of down. Oklahoma was down. Oklahoma State was down. Whatever, fine. But the whole five and seven and being pretty proud of that, that was tough. And you're right. 
for many, many years now, a lot of frustrations inside and outside the program, at the core, but on the periphery. What are the goals? What's acceptable? What's not? Greenville Brown, you just did your job. You went five and seven this year. You did your job. So what happens next year? I don't know. Be interesting. I do find it interesting that the day Baker is introduced is the day after that North Texas got rid of their football coach who Baker stuck with. Now, is that Baker's decision? Is that a president or an athletic department that can't afford to fire a coach? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know the details too much there. Question I'll ask for sure. Question I didn't ask, though, Chris. <laughs> what the heck, President Gee? Because here's how this went. This is not an excuse, but here's how it went. It's about a 40-minute news conference. It doesn't have all day. And there was a signal from the side. One more question. And I had questions I wanted to ask. And Gee was going through his thing. I'm transcribing the answers as they're coming across. My brain works about 10 seconds behind. I'm listening, typing, and trying to queue up my question there. It's a transcription thing. If you've done it before, you know what I'm talking about. But Gee stops talking. The cue comes, wait, one more question. And I pounced because I had a question I wanted to ask Baker about his people skills and, and raising money, but also engaging fans. Because I have stories about that I want to write. And I'm not kidding, Chris, about eight to 10 seconds into my question and the beginning of Baker's response, it hit me, the five and seven thing, and I just couldn't backtrack. Um, ooh. <laughs> wish we could back it up a little bit, right? And just be like, well, wait a minute, can we talk about that a little bit? Because, I mean, if anybody listening here knows, you and I have been on this, what are the expectations? It clicked. It did not click right away. It's worth a follow-up. And and without giving the game away here, there's opportunities coming to follow up. So it's not going to be buried and forgotten. It's a very good question. It's a very good concern. I would also say it's a very presidential thing to say when the football coach is in the room, when the athletic director is getting introduced and – you're trying to just tie the bow on a pretty good ceremony for an athletic department that needed a pretty good moment. Yeah, that was a tough one. Cause again, you're in the room, I'm watching remotely and I'm watching, I'm not even transcribing. I'm, I'm watching it on video and then he said it. And then I hear Karidi say last question and you start asking your question and I'm like, wait, hold on. What? And I hit the little back button, go, go back 15 seconds, like skip back 15 seconds. I'm like, did he just say he was proud of five and seven? And had to go back and listen to it and was like, oh, my God, he did say that. And um, it was tough. But it, as as you pointed out, it, it's yeah, – I, and I, I didn't get accusatory, but I was like, wow, is it a coincidence that Caridi said last question almost as soon as uh, Gee says five and seven, but you, you told me how it went um, off air. You can repeat it now uh, for sure about how it goes. It, it, it was no – no uh, deceitfulness on the on the behalf of WVU. It was already planned to be last question at that point. Yeah, so they had the media like in the si- situated in the second and third rows and kind of concentrated. So they knew where the questions were going to be coming from. Um, it looks good in the camera frame and all that when you have everybody in one spot. But get, the guys aren't looking around trying to figure out where everybody is. He doesn't come across as confused. The questions are coming from right in front of them. But somebody can like cue you and say, hey, one left. And they point at you. Hey, do you have a question? Hey, you got a question? But. So you kind of know when you're going, people aren't talking over each other a little bit. But also at the very end, there was a sign from the side from one of the the sports information people. Hey, just a single finger in the air. One question left. That was as much to your MC as it was to the media. Not me, MC. E-M-C-E. As it was to the media about, hey, we got time for one left here. And I just pounced. I had questions I wanted to ask. But listen, I'll have an opportunity to ask questions too. And that'll almost certainly be something that comes up there too because – I think it's a valid concern, but also I think that it's probably expected in that environment too, just given – where things were in that meeting and how sometimes you just got to say stuff too. You just have to say stuff because people will listen and go, 
didn't quite work here. Uh, finally, Chris, um, we transitioned from that scene in that room to other news coming out of that room and in that building. We're not even out the door. You know, Will Crowder, Reese Smith are in the transfer portal. There are pretty healthy indications that Graham Harrell has a chance to be a head coach somewhere. We talked about two places on the VIP board, one obvious, one not. I think you'll see some traction with. Uh, that would be West Virginia's offensive coordinator. This is amid conversations that there will or may be staff changes. That would not be a, uh, a change that West Virginia necessarily wants to make, but would be happy to make if, if the head coach position at another school takes the offensive coordinator. But that means offensive coordinator comes in, and we saw the two quarterbacks who played in the season finale. You might have a very different bend on offense. Has some other coaches who have expiring contracts. Quarterback room shrunk. West Virginia appears to be very active in the transfer portal, especially at a position that lost a player. We're, the, we're not really closing anything with the introduction of an athletic director in the end of that search. We're kind of beginning here. What's probably going to be a very rapid and very telling phase of the offseason. Yeah, I think just getting started here. Day one, hundreds and hundreds of transfers into the portal. Uh, just to clarify, the, the school has up to 48 hours to put the player in the database after they submitted their paperwork. Um, some of these guys kind of tried to get their paperwork in a little early, um, but I was told, hey, the coaching staff said to him, hey, come in and talk to us one last time. And if you talk to us and you still want to leave, we will expedite your paperwork. No problem. And that was what happened with, uh, you know, Will Crowder and Reese Smith. I, I reported on the board like they were having those meetings right before the introduction with Ren Baker and right during or right after the introduction of Ren Baker. Reese Smith and Will Crowder were in the transfer portal. Um, two players that I think a lot of people expected to leave, obviously Crowder being fourth on a, a depth chart of four quarterbacks at the time with a lot of guys, one guy younger than him, a couple guys about to uh, green only one less year of eligibility than him. So not shocking there. And then Smith, he's played in all 35 games in three years, but his role has never really expanded um, during those three years. So not shocking that he wants to try to get out and probably, I'm assuming, end up somewhere closer to home, same with Crowder, uh, and, and find some place where he can play. Um, I'm told that both players received calls and interest from schools, I don't know what level, within 10 minutes of being in the portal. Again, not shocking there. Um, and it won't be the end. There will be others. Again, we, we, there seems to be some confidence that uh, – the core i'm trying to remember how neil brown phrased it like a month ago you know it was during the season he said you know there's going to be guys that they have put a priority on retaining um or something of that a phrase of that ilk um it seems they feel confident that they're going to be able to retain said players on those premium players but that doesn't mean no one's leaving so keep an eye out i again the big rush will probably be in the next couple of days another day or so for that 48 hour window uh, I'm sure some other guys will get some calls maybe when they go back home for winter break um, and start talking to some people, get some people in their ear, and maybe they want to just wander out and see what's what's available out in the market. Once they hear, you know, their buddy from back home got an offer of 800 grand to go to Texas A&M or something like that. So keep an eye out, keep your ears out. We'll keep it updated. We have a transfer offer thread with every yeah. single offer that West Virginia's extended to transfers in every position. I think that'll give it a way of where they're focusing. Um, that would be 
wide receiver, cornerback, maybe a little bit of defensive line too, maybe a little offensive line. Um, and then we got our scholarship tracker and transfer tracker, keeping track of all the guys who are leaving and the scholarships at each and every position for West Virginia right now. Sounds like they're going to add maybe two, maybe three high school players. Yeah, it looks like it. I, I mean, they're going to have a couple guys in. They're focusing on some of those Cincinnati D commitments. Uh, Braden Moore, a safety. Um, they'll look at a couple. They're looking at a running back. They offered a new one in DJ Oliver. We'll have an update with him on the board on the on the site. A full story. We've already had a little brief update with him on the board um, in the next couple of days. Um, yeah, Braden Moore, safety. They'll probably target a couple more defensive backs and. and that might be about it. You got to get a couple guys in the secondary, but I think, you know, obviously a big focus of that will be transfer portal secondary players because they need guys who can contribute right away. Pretty optimistic yesterday and the folks I talked to, they were not going to lose a lot of, I guess what we would call like top shelf players. Um, they were thinking six, seven, eight overall in that first wave. And then they kind of, you know, knock on wood, nobody from that top shelf, which is good. Can they talk some people into coming back who have, chances to move along and, and not transfer to not play college football anymore. 50, yeah, 50 on that. We'll see. Um, I did find interesting, Chris, though, that you mentioned like the, the doubling back on some of these interviews. You know, hey, that's your decision. You know, think about it. Come back. We'll have one more talk or, Hey, that's your decision. Okay. By the way, come back to my office, this visit, you know, that kind of thing, which is smart. They were kind of stung last year by the Josh Chandler Samito uh, debacle. Mm-hmm. And they want guys to be sure about this because this portal thing happens so fast. And West Virginia, frankly, I, I think that they think they can get a quantity of players that will exceed the quantity they might lose to the portal, which is tricky because you have that scholarship limit too. And I think they're trying to be 100% sure on guys who are going to be out or who are going to be in because you can't say no to a prospective cornerback because you don't have a, num a spot for them. But all of a sudden, two people leave out of nowhere who said they were coming, and now you got to go get somebody but the first person you wanted and maybe the other person you want aren't there anymore. So this, these are decisions that have to be made fast for the welfare of the student athlete, but also the school too. And it does sound like, correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, this is way more developed sooner in the game than it was last year. Like they have plans, they have progress. Last year, it's kind of like they were, you know, the flasher lights were on. They're trying to come from the side of the road to the right lane. And this just feels totally different. Yeah. They seem focused and they seem like they have, I don't want to say done their research, but they've had these conversations with players, I know, I think publicly they might have said, ah, we didn't talk about it till this last week, this dead period week. No, they didn't. They, they, they've had conversations with these guys all season long because I know of a couple of players who had conversations with the coaching staff throughout the year. Hey, I'm still thinking of transferring. You know, I'm going to finish out this year. I'm not doing the four game thing or I am doing the four game thing. You know, that's why when those things were happening during the season, I was like, watch this, watch this player not coming back. They're having these conversations throughout the year. Um, you know, publicly, they're going to say they're not and that they should say that kind of stuff publicly, but they were a lot more on top of it this year. So they have a much, I think, better picture. Again, some of it's, it's a little bit of guesswork because you're, you're trusting teenagers and young adults in college to their word at this point, but they're doing much better with trying to get a feel for how guys are going. So they kind of have an idea of who's going and who's not, but they also understand it's a transfer portal and things get weird. Final question. Yes. Have you been contacted by buffstampede.com to go join <laughs> the revolution on the Colorado 24-7 site? Uh, I think that guy needs to hire about 16 more temporary temp 
guys to come work for him over over winter break. Find some college kids that are out for winter break because I think it's going to be wild in this 45-day window out in uh, Boulder. I think you and I could be a package deal. We'd be like the Sean Lewis, um, Kent State, bring his assistant coach go there. There you go. We both like Colorado. Mm-hmm. Very excited. It's prime time, Chris. Yes, it is. Time for us to go. Plenty coming up. Basketball interviews today. Game tomorrow. Four games coming up here before the holiday. Formative time for the Mountaineers. We'll discuss it all in print. Probably in conversation, too. I promise. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza, And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you next time.